Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hi, and good morning. Thanks for tuning in and following the podcast. This is Lisa Leitner from A Day in Our Shoes and Don't IEP Alone. Um, Again, thanks for following and for listening. Today, I have another interview. Um, Again, I have... Jackie Waldy on the phone with me today. Jackie is an IEP advocate as well for a few years. And what interested me and why I'm, I'm really glad I get a chance to chat with her today is that she taught fifth grade for over a decade. And I think it's always interesting to um, hear from parents who have sat on both sides of the table because there's certainly very different perspectives. Um, Jackie is from the western side of South Dakota in Rapid City, and she assures me that they do not have any snow today, um, unlike what you're seeing on, you know, all I can go by is what I see on TV, and I'm seeing a lot of snow. But anyway, Jackie, why don't you say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. Um, like Lisa said, my name is Jackie Waldy. I live in Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, I was a classroom teacher for many years, and then after leaving the classroom, I became a private tutor, and I specialized in dyslexia, so I'm trained in the Barton method, Um, and I have two children. I have a sixth grader, and I have a second grader, Um, and my business name is Inspire Education, so you can find us online, and you can find us on Facebook. Great. Um, So, you know, let's get into it. Tell me a little bit about what, you know, I was a teacher also before I before I did this, um, but I did teach an adult vocational program, so I only had to deal with 504s, not IEPs. Um, mm-hmm. But I've, I've gone and, and done a lot of beating myself up as far as now that I'm on the other side of the table, you know, I think like, ugh, I really would have handled that differently, you know, knowing what I know now. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of your thoughts? Well, I think, first of all, in being a classroom teacher, Something that we're very minimally trained on is IEPs and 504s. We really aren't trained in the ins and outs of ADA and IDEA. And so a lot of times when we're going to those meetings, we're relying on the special educator, the principal, the director of special services, because we really don't know that much about the legalities and about the paperwork. Um, However, we do understand the curriculum. We do understand the standards. And I can honestly tell you that most teachers in, in their gut know, gosh, this child needs extra help. This child needs something. And we're just not specialists to understand that. Um, And then the other part that's really interesting is when you're on that side of the table as a teacher, it's almost like you feel like you're not the expert, so you don't have the right to speak up about the child's special needs. We can absolutely speak up about what we're seeing in the classroom, 
what we're seeing with their peers, what we're seeing with grades. Um, but, you know, our hands are kind of tied because we don't know what we don't know, you yeah. know? And so I know that was kind of a silly phrase. Well, no, no, it's, um, it's one I use often. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and so I think that we, we kind of feel like our hands are tied. We feel like we know we want to say something, but we're not exactly sure what to say. Um, and I always encourage classroom teachers when I'm in an IEP meeting to really take your space, take your time, speak up, because maybe something that you can say or maybe something that you say or you've observed, either the advocate or the parent or even the special educator can say, oh, that's what this address is or that's what this looks like. Um, and we really need to allow those classroom teachers to speak up. Yeah. Um, I have had several clients myself who are our teachers and they say, you know, and they contact me and they say, look, I'm having this issue, but here's the thing. I work in the district and I don't want to make waves. Yes. Um, I have that all the time. I have teachers that reach out to me on the down low as they say, don't use my name. <laughs> don't tell them it was me. And, you know, considering a core principle of IDA, IDEA is to work as a team, that really is kind of a sad state of affairs, that classroom teachers don't feel like they can reach out to an organization or they can reach out to a family and say, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this lack of focus or this hyperactivity or um, this dysgraphia, this problem with writing or, you know, difficulties with word problems in math, whatever it may be. They feel like they can't reach out and say that because they feel like they're going to get in trouble. Right. And that's something that I would really love to see change. I, I mean, that's just a, a paradigm shift that needs to happen from the top down. You know, our teachers here, they always have a um, back-to-school in-service, and I'm sure teachers across the nation do. Um, and they always go, go to, like, our big civic center, and they have this speaker, inspirational speaker. And I always thought that would be a great opportunity to have all of these support organizations that are out there kind of in the hallway, maybe doing a table display so that teachers can see, oh, this is what YFS offers. Oh, this is what the United Way offers. Oh, this is what, so that there are resources out there. There are so many great resources out there to help our children. And I've been to numerous conferences where it's table displays. And I just keep saying, I never knew any of this existed when I was a teacher. I didn't know that I could send. I knew about Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I think that's about it. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that I could send this child to a place for tutoring or, or send this child somewhere for occupational therapy. Um, and so it's been an awesome learning process. If I put my educator hat on from the perspective of an educator, all of the resources that are out there, all the things that we can learn. Um, and I love it when a teacher calls me because I can share that then. And I can say, well, have you tried this or have you tried that? And if you want, you know, let me know the person's name and I'll go find them on Facebook and send them a message, you know, right. <laughs> and try to try to kind of do it in a sneaky way because, you know, children's are, children are my life. It's my <laughs> life's work. Education is my life's work. You're right. Um, you know, and, Teachers are, they're my people. They are. I'm going to say that. I love being around educators. I love talking shop. Um, and I just wish they had a little more freedom to share when they see that something is wrong. I do. And I do too. And I, I, I 
feel bad that kind of my canned response is like, yes, I'll help you on the down low. You know, if you don't want me to attend meetings, that's fine. But here, you know, here's what I see and here's what I'd ask for. And here are some, you know, holes in your IEP. Um, But my canned response is, you know, if you feel like the work situation is changing or if you feel like there's any possible retaliation going on, you know, contact your union rep. And I feel like I'm, I don't have any other answers besides, well, contact your union rep, but then you have to keep in mind that the union rep is also representing the other person. So if you're disagreeing, say, with, you know, another school personnel, you know, that doesn't, that's not necessarily a good answer because the union rep then is in the middle. So, yeah. And there isn't, there's not much recourse. I know um, the parent training information centers in states, a lot of times I've, I've, done the same exact thing that you have done here. This is what I can help you with. Here's what I can tell you. But I don't know what the recourse is. If, if teachers can file a state complaint, if they can file due process, like nobody wants to do that. No educator wants to do that. Right. You know, um, and a lot of times, you know, that might be what's warranted. Um, it is, it's a tough situation to be in. I even know educators that can't even get a child evaluated. And they know it. They know that this child needs to be evaluated. Yeah. And they hit roadblocks with that. And they call and they say, you know, what do I do? How do I get this child evaluated? And and my advice has to change because I know they're bound by contracts. I know they're bound by if they're a union member, union rules, um, which I was a union member, so I support it. Um, you know, but it's just a, it's a whole different ballgame when you're a teacher. And I kind of wish also that parents would understand that, that they do love their children and they do want to help their children, but they're kind of bound by the rules of the game. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And in fact, here I know, um, you know, I have a lot of teacher friends as well. And I have a teacher friend who actually, she teaches fifth grade and they were told at their beginning of year in service stop sending us all these kids to evaluate. They basically were told, we can't be evaluating all these kids all the time. RTI them. Just RTI them. We can't be evaluating all these kids. So, I mean, I think like, good grief, when you're getting that directive from your administration to, I mean, you're you're basically being specifically told, do not, do not refer this, this child for an evaluation. Um, it just got to be painful because, you know, you go into all this student debt, you get your college degree, you get your master's degree, mm-hmm. and then you're just kind of dealt like frustration day after day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they have the other um, problem of, you know, it's a national problem with the lack of staffing and the lack of funding. Um, I love that you had posted that article about showing how IDEA was supposed to be supported by this percentage and it's really only at the max been supported by 20%. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I know I've had friends and classroom teachers in tears, you know, saying they're just not getting the help that they need, <laughs> you know, because there's just not the staff to do it or there's not. And I understand that, you know, we can look at under IDEA. That's not a that's not a good enough reason. It's not. Um, but it's happening all in the United States. Right. But there's just not enough staffing and there's not enough space and there's not enough training. And it really is um, a national crisis. It is. Something that our Department of Education needs to be looking at. It's it's how antiquated our special education systems are. Yeah. And and I think we I think we're about to reach like a break point or watershed moment 
in the not too distant future because it's just getting worse. And, and then, you know, as I pointed out, like you said in that post, um, the states are cutting back on what they're contributing and so much is right. falling on the local taxpayer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I live in suburban Philadelphia and property taxes around here are just, I mean, people in other parts of the country, they can't believe what we pay in property taxes. Right. But, you, right. know, you know, that's just that's just where where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, I live in one of those states where we're really, um, we have a really low tax threshold and that affects our, our educational systems. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I just, I feel for those teachers because I also see the burden being put on classroom teachers where we don't have, I, I took intro to special education in 1997 that was my background in special education <laughs> before I went into the classroom. One class, uh, you know? Yep. And, um, and then that burden then, so you have these new teachers, and, and I've gone and got additional training. I have my master's degree in education. Um, I've taken the seat training through COPA. Um, and I think of those first-year teachers that have had that one class of intro to special education. And now they're saying, okay, now you have to deal with kids that have oppositional defiance disorder or, you know, my son has ADHD, ADHD or whatever. And we have the basics. Yeah. We don't know the proper interventions and the proper accommodations. And, you know, and I went personally and learned to the point where, where I was learning and I actually adored having kids that every kind of buddy kind of deemed as trouble and deemed as a problem. Um, because I just felt they just had so much spunk and personality and potential um, that they were just wonderful to work with. Um, and I just, I would love to have that training for more educators so they could see it that way instead of a burden and seeing it instead of being overwhelmed. Yeah. that's how what I hear. I hear, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You know, and. Well, and, and so I think, of, I think even, uh, you know, you, you're a, a gen ed or ECE, you know, type trained teacher, but even for those who are specializing and getting a special ed degree, I think, you know, that there's so much focus on pedagogy that there's no classroom management. And I see time and time again, I see these kids and they're kids because they are, honestly, at this point, they are young enough that, that they could be my kids, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old. And I see them in these, you know, leading these ED classrooms. And I just think... I think, all right, she'll, I wonder how long she'll last, you know, two years, yeah. three years, um, because they're just, they're not given the supports and they have, they have no clue, you know, and, or perhaps like you said, ODD or some other, um, behavior issues. And, you know, you go in every day and you're getting hit every day and all that. And mm-hmm. that doesn't last long. No. And it causes, it causes a burnout. I've sat in IEP meetings and then I've kind of had a debrief with parents afterwards and, and I've actually said I'd really like to visit with that teacher because I feel like she's green. Yeah. And and that's the word that I use. I feel like I feel like she's green. She has he or she, I don't want to say right. you know, he or she, but um, that they just maybe don't have the classroom experience, they don't have the training, they don't have the insight and then that's when I love to go in and share resources and say, Hey, you're not alone in this. Yes, yeah. I'm an advocate and I'm here for the child. But I'm here to unify the team, and you're a valuable part of the team. And I want you 
to have the best amount of knowledge to do what's appropriate for this child. Um, and so if that means that I'm having to send them handouts or, or webinars or, you know, visiting with them on the phone, I'm absolutely willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, Another issue, in addition to the funding that that certainly is becoming a nationwide or national crisis, um, I don't know if this is happening in South Dakota, but I was preparing a, I wanted to give my my three minutes that I get at my local school board meeting, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to, I had a, I had a bone to pick, so I wanted to say it. Um, and in doing my research, I learned that a decade ago, the state of Pennsylvania was certifying on average about 17,000 teachers a year. Mm-hmm. And now for 2017, which was the last last year for which I could get data, um, in 2017, they certified 4,400. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was something like, a, yeah, like a 76% decrease in the number of teachers being certified, which means we are really headed to a tsunami of problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm friends with several school board members who say, you know, I sit in on these interviews and, you know, I interview these new teachers, we rank them, we rate them, whatever it is. And she says, and it never fails time and time again, that the ones that I had, you know, that we had at the bottom of the list are in the classroom, just because there's so much competition for positions that, that a lot of schools are just really taking what they can get. Yes. We actually have a crisis of special educators as well. We just have, and, and paraprofessionals is another one. Yes. Have so many open positions. Um, and the solution to that, I, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've discussed this on end, on lengthy with many people, <laughs> from, you know, educators and parents and family members. And, and I think that there's so many things that go into why we're not having people going into education. Of course, the pay is abysmal. Um, it just is, especially in South Dakota. You can't even imagine how abysmal it is. Um, but then I also think of some of the working conditions with classroom size. And, um, and when I look at the, the buildings right now, we're in the process of trying to get, um, a bond issue through to get our buildings because some of our buildings haven't been touched since 1950s, 1960s. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our buildings are out of date. Um, and then, yes, we're getting much, much better at diagnosing what's going on with children. Um, but that means that the classroom situation is getting more individualized, more unique. But yet there's this trend in education where we're standardizing everything. <laughs> so we have, you know, we have all of these children with all of these individualized unique needs, whether they're on an IEP or not. I mean, we have some remarkably, you know, um, hand- kids that are really good at hands-on things. And then we have some kids that are really good at just kind of working on their own and being quiet and being in books. It's regardless of having a disability or not. And yet we're getting more and more standardized lessons and more and more standardized curriculum and, and, you know, evaluate tests and assessments. And so it's like we have these two ends of the spectrum. How do we find that middle and how do we draw people into the classroom right. to show them that, gosh, it can be an exciting place to be. <laughs> you know, it can be wonderful. I loved it when I was there, but I got to tell you, I felt, and I go back every once in a while and I just to see what it's like, um, and to keep my foot in what's going on in the classrooms and with curriculum and things and, 
I don't think I would go back to being a classroom teacher again. That was, I was going to ask you. I said, you, I was just going to, I just wrote mm-hmm. that down. Like, do you ever think you'll go back? No. I don't. No. I don't. It's just, um, I give our classroom teachers so much credit because it really is exhausting. For me, it was. And the people that are in there that are loving it and passionate about it, I'm so proud of them. And I was that person at one point in time. Um, but I really far more enjoy helping the individual child now. Yeah. Yeah, I like doing this, but I got to tell you, it gets um, – it's it wears on you because, as I always say, nobody ever calls us because things are going well. You know, nobody ever calls right. and says, hey, Jackie, my IP is great. My kid's making so much progress. It's just fantastic. Right? right. right? So we only ever see the real – bottom of the barrel, worst case scenarios of, you know, mm-hmm. the parent couldn't take it any long and they, they finally sought out a, an advocate. So, mm-hmm. and that wears on you, it wears on you. So it's, it's hard not to get jaded. Oh. Yeah. And it does. And I, you know, I can't imagine with you running the podcast and being an advocate and then the Facebook page and the <laughs> website and my goodness, you help so many people. And so thank you for your resources. Oh, uh, you know, thanks. Even, there are times as an advocate where, you know, I'll be stumped and I'll, I'll say, oh, I bet you there's something on the Facebook page that I can find. That yeah. <laughs> you know, and it really was so, just um, an advocate friend of mine, and we're not that close anymore. Um, we really just wanted it to be a resource site you know, a place. Mm-hmm. And, and really for us, it was it started out as kind of like our own online filing cabinet um, mm-hmm. because we were newer advocates and we would like, document something so that we knew where to find it when that issue came up again. Um, but, but a parent, a parent reached out to me very early on and she found one of my first posts. Um, it's since been updated dozens of times, but it was about her child with an IEP being repeatedly suspended. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the situation was just being handled very poorly. She lived in the rural South and it just kind of hit me like, wow, like this, mom has no one else like she took to the mm-hmm. internet and that's it and 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 I just kind of realized then the power that we could reach people um because you know advocates just aren't available everywhere unfortunately mm-hmm. right right yeah there's very I mean I'm the only one in my <laughs> in my area you know um and I just I think when you get those situations where parents are really just frustrated and lost and they don't want to turn, they don't know where to turn. Right. I just think what a gift it is that I get to walk alongside them. Yeah. That's how I really try to look at that because we do, we get those parents that are just, they're crying and they're frustrated or they're angry and they're ready to fight or, you know, they just, are at their wit's end. And if we can kind of bring them some support and some reasoning and some pathway to kind of help them lift the fog a little bit or lift the, the stress a little bit, um, that is, it's so rewarding. It is so rewarding. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, when I was a classroom teacher, my, my rewarding came from working with those kids and making a difference in the life of life of all the kids in my class. And I, gosh, I love them to pieces. Some of them are in their twenties now. And <laughs> I still talk to them and I still see them and I embarrass the heck out of them. I give them big hugs in public and tell people I was their fifth grade teacher. And they're like, Oh geez, <laughs> here she comes. Um, you know, but 
I think that I get to do that now just in a different capacity. Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with a day in our shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group. Wait.